the Boston Celtics with a big win, unlike me who hit the wrong button first. So you got a nice quick look <laughs> of our smiling faces before I hit the intro. I'm here with Jake Eisenberg. Jake, how you doing? Right, doing good. Want to know? NBA's back. Uh, life's good. Let's do it. And we have a special guest, one of our favorites, the man with the best headlines in basketball, Dan Greenberg, a.k.a. Greeny from Bar- Barstool Sports, who is reporting live from, I think, a jail cell. If there's anything to go by. But what's up, Greeny? How you doing? Uh, like Jesse said, or Jake said, same thing. One and all, feeling great. Hard to be better than undefeated. Yeah, yeah never go. in doubt, never in doubt, baby. So um, <laughs> yeah. let's let, just jump into some big takeaways on that game. I think like we were cruising, Jake and I live streamed it last night, like that third mm-hmm. quarter, Knicks go on a run, we come right back, it's about 10 points going to the fourth quarter, and then the pants pooping proceeded to happen, classic Celtics pants pooping. Yep. So we're, like, how are you feeling overall after that game? Because they did, you know, come back and end up, they found it somewhere and won. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I feel like dirty about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm happy that <laughs> yeah. they won, but they're going to need to play a whole lot better, right? Like, obviously you have the caveats of first game, everyone's getting acclimated, that's fine, but... Some of the things that crept up were not from the new guys, right? It was from the same old habits that we have been seeing dating back to the bubble, right? So they can't blame Marcus Smart for it. You can't blame Grant Williams for it. You can't blame, you know, so I just, that's the part that, you know, you're concerned about, but you're also not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill because they did show the resiliency. They did come back and finish the deal. But you feel like you're happy, but you're also kind of, you know, not unhappy, but you're frustrated that already game one, we're still seeing a lot of the same problem areas creep up. Man, old habits die hard. Like yeah. we, the ISO ball for in that third quarter into that fourth quarter. And it was everybody. Derek was doing it. Jason, Jalen was doing Drew. it. Drew, everybody was doing it. Yeah. For some reason, we were like, well, let's let's just turn the difficulty up on this game because they're just putting Porzingis in every pick and roll, pick and pop is is working yeah. too well. So let's go away from it for a while until the last two are down six with two minutes to go. And now we'll start going back to it. And lo and behold, uh, it started working again. I personally, I think I I needed this uh, result because I was maybe flying a little too high Um <laughs> Up ten with like whatever it was nine minutes to go. We're on the live stream. I know. know. Yeah, I know. No, and I I was like, Spoonie, this is usually exactly when I call the bookie in Australia, and I put ten dollars on Fanduel. Call Fanduel. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, call Fanduel. I have to go through a very um an EVPN international dial-up system to get to Fanduel from here, but um, I, I I do get there. And this is usually when I bet on the Celtics, up 10 with somewhere between six and nine minutes to go. And I said, I'm not going to do it. This is a new year. Yeah. And and if until they prove otherwise, and literally from that moment, they just pissed that 10-point point lead away, like in a matter of moments, it felt like. I think it was like 47 seconds or something. <laughs> yeah. It was like under a minute yeah. or something crazy. Yeah, like it was that. insane. Yeah, that that that's something we're really good at is just getting rid of all those good feelings as as quickly as possible. So I personally needed that to just bring me back down and be like, this might take some time to get us to to the level that I think that we can get to. Yeah, yeah. Well, Go ahead. Green. I think what's interesting about that point is like I think we all want to be like, look at how Porzingis closed the game. Like they they're, they're over their struggles, 
Well, part of what led into those struggles was the exact same type of collapse like we saw to open the fourth quarter. And if you look at who was the driving factor, those you had Jalen's crazy CTE level basketball. Oh, man. You had Tatum, you had Tatum dribbling into a double team and losing the ball with about three minutes left, what have you. So it's like they're your best players. And that's why I think it's important to to understand that whatever pieces you change around them, until they are able to execute flawless, not flawlessly, but have, you know, prevent those mental lapses the ancillary pieces aren't really going to matter, right? Like it didn't really matter who was around them because they, you know, Tatum and the bench unit came in to start that fourth quarter, boom, immediate 13-2 run. Well, it's like, what are we, what are we doing here? I thought things are going to be different and grow. And the only difference I think is now we saw when people doubled Tatum in those final, you know, two minutes, now it's Porzingis shooting. Like that's a noticeable difference. But we saw no difference in terms of what got them in that situation in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, look, let, let's there. I think there's plenty of negatives to take away from that game. And I think when we talk a little bit in more detail about Jalen, we'll get to a few of those. But I think the bright side, if you're looking at this game, is that Celtics shot 30.8% from three. The yep. Knicks shot 44%, and it was like 50% before the final two and a half minutes, and then they missed, I think, four in a row to end the game, two of them being those heaves when the game was already over, lost the turnover battle 13-9, and the Knicks had, I think it was 72 offensive rebounds. I might, it might be a little high, but it felt like that's... Yeah, so, yeah, Jake, I mean, am I, am I too flowery here? I mean, is there positives no, to take away from this? No, one? I think it's hard to win in the NBA. The Knicks are a good team. They were the fifth seed last year. They're, I think, going to yeah. push for home court again this year. So anytime you just get a win against a plus 500 team, uh, especially when you you lose the three-point battle by that much. I went mm-hmm. back and had a look. You know, There's been 14 NBA games played so far. Teams that won the three-point shooting battle are 12-2. and two. The two teams that yep. won were the Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics. Oh. And um, I mean, Joe Mazzulla is not an idiot, right? That's why he to make fun of him for it. But it's like in 2023, you have to at least match your opposition in both volume and in makes. That's just the league. Yeah, so from that perspective, I think for them to get out of there with a win, and look how many times they lose this game where they do collapse and it's just over. Then there's once they lost those leads, it it was always a matter of can they hold on just enough to where they they win by one or two. But once they ever lost those leads, that was it for them to be to come back and actually win this game. um, Like that's that's good sign. And yeah, I think. My main takeaway is, is is that in the clutch, my main thing was always like you have to involve KP because mm-hmm. that's going to be the easiest easiest way to get good shots. You know, he's not always going to hit these twenty seven footers to to save the day, but yeah. uh, he certainly hit two big ones in the last five minutes yesterday. But I do think that even watching the Bucks in preseason and it's just an adjustment having a guy like that where it just needs to be the go-to pretty much every action down, especially in the clutch. doesn't matter who has the ball. The first action should be a Tatum pick and roll, pick and pop with KP or, or Derek or Drew or Jalen. All of them can run. All of them successfully ran actions, including Peyton Pritchard with Porzingis in that, in that pick and roll, pick and pop area. And that's really how the defense was being collapsed. And for some reason they just, they just, 
zero pass ISO from the wing, from the top of the key. They cannot help themselves. And yeah. as soon as they went back to it, it, everything just gets a little bit easier. Now, let easier. me ask you both. Did it, not, I don't know if concern is the right word, but mm. did you find it surprising that they go cold from three, the, the lead starts to dwindle, they're making this comeback. We heard so much about a diversified offense down the stretch. Now you have a post presence in Porzingis. You can just be less predictable. He didn't have one post up last night. Like they, they didn't have like, yes, I feel like they had the, the two man game, the pick and yep. pop, you know, with Porzingis, which is, you know, different from holding the ball for 30, you know, 20 seconds and then ISOing. But there was still no real diversification in their shot profile. It was still, you know, generating threes, which is fine. But I did find it interesting that down the stretch of a game, we finally have tools to just see what a diversified offense looked like. And even I think Missoula said it after the game, how he needs to start, you know, incorporating different actions for White and all those guys. So were you guys surprised that it really was the same old offensive approach, just now with a different tool? I I think one thing I noticed, and maybe I'm wrong here, it did feel like it wasn't as glacially slow as they Mm -hmm. play often in in crunch time like it it ground to a halt at times but it wasn't like get the ball over half court with 16 seconds left and all of a sudden you're rushing to get even your first action off so i i will say like that looked better also the knicks are just are weird defense they don't switch right and that's kp isn't al jefferson he's he's not gonna post up mitchell robinson or something like that you need to get a switch where he's got like quentin grimes on him then he right. can post that guy up and and the knicks just don't really give that up uh, which is why like the pick and pops were wide open because they're just in such a deep drop. So uh, I, I wonder if it's partially who you're playing and just also like it's all brand new. Drew's yeah. been here for like two and a half weeks. They've not played an actual competitive game with KP. And Jake said it, old habits die hard, man. <laughs> like it's going to take some, I think there's going to be growing pains with it. Yeah. I, I also, I, I haven't had time to go back and look at this specific thing. I spent most of the morning going back and looking at all of the Jalen's defensive possessions. Um, but I do think they went to Tatum in the post a fair bit in the fourth quarter. I think yeah, he, oh, Tatum, yeah. Tatum, yes. But I'm, I was thinking more like initiating offense through Porzingis sure. out of the post was something that I was just thinking, okay, this is going to be a solve for their late game offense. But maybe Spoonie's right. Maybe it's just more, and we should set our expectations of, it's more just a matter of getting into sets quicker and being more decisive and not just lackadaisical. Because that was, I mean, they did become extremely easy to guard because they just took so long. So maybe it's not that they're going to change the sets they run or their approach. They're just going to get into it quicker. Yeah, I, I think for me, the thing I noticed and I've wanted the most is like, I think the go-to thing in the last five minutes should just be Tatum in the post because right now he's he's either getting to the free throw line, getting a pretty clean look up, or there was one where I think Hartenstein got a kick ball um, mm-hmm. where KP was open wide open again on the wing. So that to me, unless they are switching, like Spoonie said, like against the heat, if they are switching everything or they're going to zone, that's where maybe KP becomes like that go-to in the post. But yeah, when they are playing drop, I do think, oh yeah, yeah, you don't want KP posting up. Tatum in the the post. Interesting. I was like, yeah, we have all, we have this brand new weapon. And (laughs) while it's nice that he fits into how they were playing before, like seamlessly, Maybe they didn't want to show everything. Maybe they're not confident in it. So I am excited to see them against Miami because that's that's the team, right? This is the yes. this is why oh, they yeah. made the team. This is this is what we have to see. Everyone will be healthy. 
on Miami side. So I think that'll give us a better look. No, yeah. I don't know. Self, uh, heat legend Josh Richardson already out tomorrow, I believe. Oh, so. is he? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's bad. We want the Heat fully healthy. They play yeah. better when they're missing people, I feel like. I know, but I know. yeah, KP's line, uh, kind of a weird game for him where he was sort of invisible in the middle two quarters, 15 yeah. in the first, 30 and eight, four blocks, eight of 15. I think he was eight and nine from the line. And just yep. like, you know, we're talking about using him in the crunch time offense, scam fouls like that one, that one foul he got on Hartenstein in the corner. Like it was a foul, but he drew that thing out of nothing, man, and had absolutely yep. zero time on the shot clock. So I don't know about you guys, but yeah, yeah. And and he's burying his free throws like I think it, that like could it have gone better for his first showing as a Celtic? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. it's always one of those things where, you know. A guy that's skilled, you think, okay, he's gonna he's gonna hit his open looks and things like that. But for me, I was more surprised, maybe just because you know how many possessions of his defense on the Wizards are you seeing? But I love how he just does not get baited by pump fakes because he's just so yeah. freaking tall. He's <laughs> like, you can pump fake all you want, I don't need to jump to impact your shot, and you can tell like. Part of what I was nervous that they were going to be missing with Rob Gunn is just when he was on the floor, guards just wanted nothing to do with yep. the rim. Even if he wasn't blocking a shot, they knew that he was somewhere in the vicinity. With that gone, I was like, no one's going to be afraid of Luke Cornett. No one's going to be afraid of, of Al Horford. But you could see that even like they weren't even wanting to do, you know, putbacks with him just around the rim. Like that is an impact that I think people maybe didn't realize fully of just him being on the floor is going to detract people from shooting a little mid range. He had, I think it was either, I don't know if it was RJ Barrett or maybe it was Julius Randall, but they took like an elbow jumper and he still blocked it. It's like yeah. Yama type stuff. It's so that was surprising, but the fact that he just was not being baited by pump fakes is something that has me excited because that's going to limit him from getting into foul trouble. He's not going to have those those rob where he's just taking every baited pump fake. And if they're going to be going up against Jimmy Butler, I need you to stay home on every fake possible. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, we we don't have to worry about Rob biting on all the pump fakes anymore. Yeah. Um, he was he was immense defensively. I think. Yeah. Um, when you watch some of these teams that have those those anchors, he really did look like that for for every position that he was out there deterring people coming into the lane. Um, I, I sorry, I played that that clip that also had sound over it. I can um, get this. I think this one has no sound. So yeah, so um, I think Porzingis defensively was immense, but offensively, everybody seemed to be able to get it going with with Porzingis, which. I think is the whole, but this is what you think you're talking about. Yeah, Pretty, see, like, he doesn't yeah. jump. <laughs> yeah, he, does, he doesn't need to. Like, he, he's that big. And, like, everybody getting in on the action, whether it's Pritchard, you know, poor Drew Holiday. And this, this, this play I loved as well. Like, Randall thinks that Porzingis is nowhere, nowhere near being able to block this, and he gets there. Transition blocks. Yeah. He, was, he was literally everywhere. And then he makes life easy uh, for Jalen Brown, which I think – on a day like yesterday, you need to kind of simplify things for Jalen Brown, and then of course the uh, unbelievable the dagger, Big right? Shot. So we everything that was advertised about Porzingis, he did yesterday, yeah. and yeah. So that's I, I mean, 
Yeah, I think you can best describe it as it took one game for us to see Brad Stevens' vision, right? This was it. It was the the pick and pop option. The two-man game is lethal right from the jump, right? He gives you rim protection. He's good in space. He has to, you know, the defense has to respect him, which opens up driving lanes for everybody else. Every single thing that Brad talked about when this, you know, when he had that interview, you know, right after the trade of how everything is based on, you know, can you make the Jays' life easier? We saw it on both ends in this game. And I, I honestly, I can't remember a debut where on both ends of the floor, you saw every single like part of Brad's vision, right? There's usually, yeah. all right, he was great on offense, but he, he was a little <laughs> slow to pick things up defensively. Like, no, it was everything from the opening tip was like, you want to say he's like the perfect player for this system. It's, it's just like, if he gets hurt, I'm going to have an existential crisis. Let me, let me just put it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, he did play 37 minutes last night, so Joe definitely um, pushed limits there. Yeah, look, it wasn't quite the same level as Evan Fournier's debut. Uh, from, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who I don't think hit a shot for, like, the first few games as a Celtic. Yeah. Um, Derek White's debut, I remember, against the Nuggets was, like, pretty excellent where he, like, made his shots but then proceeded to miss his his shots for, like, the next – pretty much till the following season, really. Um, but, yeah, so this this was the perfect – Perfect debut. You can't ask any more from Porzingis. And to do it in the Knicks, in yep. MSG, where they're chanting, fuck Porzingis. And yeah. to, for him to, uh, to get asked about it as well and just be like, yeah, I appreciate that they're, they're talking about yeah. me and yeah, I hope they have a good life. And you know what? And it's, and what's, you know, one of the, res- not reservations, but what I think one of the questions I think is fair is now that he's out of, you know, insignificant basketball in Washington, You know, what is he going to be like in these big pressure filled moments? And we're not going to be able to answer that in terms of what will happen in a playoff series. But I think there is something to be said about how the game was sort of in the balance on the road in a Mm -hmm. hostile environment. They're screaming, you know, fuck Porzingis, whatever. He buried them. And that's the type of killer mindset where you're like, okay, maybe this dude, you know, like, Everyone had always had that soft moniker, mentally weak, whatever. Maybe now he's entering his NBA prime. He's in a great basketball situation. He's healthy. Like he had that dog in him, right? Like that was <laughs> that was noticeable. He was grabbing rebounds and you know flinging yeah. around and you know hitting Harmstein um, in the face. Like those were things that I just was curious about. Just because when you're playing for the Wizards and a, and a game hasn't mattered for seven months. Like, how do you know what's going to happen on the road against a good team in a high-pressure moment? And he was nails. He didn't turn the ball over. He got to the line. He hit his threes. He was effective defensively. Like, based on what we have to evaluate him, you've got to say, okay, if they're in a tight spot, I think I'll be able to rely on him to come through. Yeah. The, yeah, look, Porzingis has had such a weird career. Like, Knicks fans should be the first ones to tell you when he first came in, like, obviously he was, you know, Electric as a rookie, um, mm-hmm. he was you know depoy level player. Really, like he did have that that dog in him originally when he was in New York, and things just kind of went sideways. Not real, not necessarily so much what he was doing on the court with the Knicks, and then the the fit with the Mavs was just weird, and the Wizards didn't matter. But like these Euro guys, Jokic talks about it all the time. Where they're like, "Did you think this this environment was intense?" He's like, "Brother, I've 
Wait till you see Serbia. that. And, like, yeah. and, you, and you, do, you do see these videos from these guys playing in Europe where there's like flares and the ground's like shaking. Beer cans like, hitting the yeah, yeah, court. Dude. Yeah. Like, like Porzingis is, is Lithu- um, Latvia. I was going to say Lithuania. Latvia, the Latvian hero, right? Um, yeah. He's been playing big games in Latvia um, for years. And the passion and the emotion and the pressure that goes into those games is real. So I... I, you are right to see it in the NBA for the Celtics on night one in a hostile environment, revenge yeah. game. I mean, and I think it says something good. that, you know, Tatum trusts him yep. in that moment, right? Like yeah. that tells you something right away, also. So if Tatum's going to trust him and then he comes through in those moments, I think that just helps subconsciously them not have to say, okay, I need to rely on ISO basketball where nobody else can touch the ball. Now you can say, okay. We have this seven foot five unicorn <laughs> that isn't going to shy away from the moment. And I think part of what they had to get away from was at the end of these games, nobody felt like they wanted to shoot. So Marcus Smart was like, all right, I guess I'm going to be the one that has the guts to take it. If they can have another option who's a better shooter, have the stones and not be afraid of the moment, I think that is going to alleviate some of the late game crunch time issues also because. You know, you can just have that confidence and trust where, you know, you don't just have to, you know, I don't want it here, Smart, you just shoot it and take it. I think that is, you know, if that's now Porzingis, like we saw in that clip with a minute 30 left, I think you're feeling a little bit better about yourself. Yeah, and I I think offensively seeing it work is really like it's great. But I was more concerned defensively, especially like Brunson's the exact type of dude that like can murder drop coverage. Like he gets into like 15 feet and he just buries those pull ups. But Porzingis is so enormous that like he can't even get that shot off, allows the guard lock and trailing to come back, get bother the bother Brunson. Sometimes he doesn't get a shot off. So like everything looked great with KP. We've gone too far, though. Jason Tatum, he had 34, 10, and 4. He was 8 of 9 at the rim going against Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson. And for as great as KP was, like I think Tatum was the best player on the court. Oh, without a doubt. And yeah, I think sure. it's, I mean, it's just like we've become desensitized to it, right? Like to me, this was just like, ah, oh, yeah, this is just what Tatum does. Like he's yeah. you know, yeah. 34 and 11 on good splits. But I think it was noticeably different how aggressive he was, right? There was no, I only remember, maybe it was like one or two, he had a little post fadeaway where you're like, I wish you maybe did an up and under there and, you know, whatever, but he gets the benefit of the doubt given how well he shot the ball. So I thought his aggressiveness was, you know, and how he attacked the rim was noticeable and we can't ignore the pull-up three. If this pull-up three is back and he's not shooting 29% like he did last year, if he's going to flirt, with like the high 30s, like he did two years ago. What do you do? See ya. What do you do? Yeah. yeah, look, we, I think Celtics fans have spent so much time arguing, or maybe I'll speak for myself, pushing for the idea that Tatum is like in, like right in this tier, just below Jokic, Giannis, Steph for me. Like he's right at the top of that list. And he has felt like he hasn't gotten fully like that kind of respect. But then all of a sudden, he just does it every single night. And mm-hmm. so it's like, we don't even need to talk about it because, yeah, he is the MVP candidate. You know, Zach Lowe picking him to win MVP. Devin Booker being right there. Luka Doncic being right there. Those are like the, the three guys kind of bandied about as being like that next group of like MVP 
candidates like year in, year out. And all three of them went off for like 34, 12, and seven or eight or whatever it was. Um, Tatum only taking eight three-point attempts is right where you're, I think we were talking about That's there, perfect. Greeny, where like everyone's been talking about, is it the wrist? Did he gain too much muscle? Which I have just been like so, so strongly against the, the idea of this thing like being anything. That's, like, you, that's every, your 13th reason right there. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd to me. Like every NBA player gets bigger and stronger. Um, all of the catch and shoot, shoot numbers and the free throw numbers have been identical, yeah. um, have, have been really good despite him gaining pretty much the same amount of muscle every single year. Um, and so to, to us, it has been, he's been taking two to three shots that are just bad every yeah. game. And if, the, if, the, if he takes those out, he shot 37.5% from three yesterday, obviously one game. But if he mm-hmm. goes three for eight every single game, that's, that's perfect. And it's, and, but it's important. Like it's not only three for eight on just catch and shoots. It's yes. pull up off the dribble. It's the sidestep three. Like the one in the corner. You, tell, you know, when, as soon as he does that, it's like the right-handed between the like yeah. legs dribble into his jumper from the from like the left side wing, when that goes in, yeah. that's when you know, like, all right, this is like Tatum fifty ball territory. <laughs> yeah. As soon yeah. as I see him make that shot, that's like his heat check barometer. He usually shoots it pretty early, and like yeah. that's like his. All right, if this is going, like, watch out. But I loved how when he had that smaller defender on him, it was right to the rim. It was everything that we're hearing Sam Cassell drill into his brain. This might be the year that we finally get consistent bully ball with a respectable pull-up three. Yes, I think that's the biggest difference is that on the nights where the, – because the three is not going to go in every night. It's just understanding that he has other weapons and like weaponizing that bully ball, that post game – is that that is going to completely cut all of, all of those stinkers in half easily? Because um, like because once he gets going inside, I feel like that is when like the first half is of the game seven against Philly, he took three three pointers, mm-hmm. and it's because he was going inside out. I find that sometimes the three is not going, or he works his way from the from the post out to the three point line. Um, he just has a much better rhythm, and so to, to diversify that game, I think that that's what I like to see. Yeah. Yeah, and and just the finishing over and around length, oh. man, it's just well, so I was going to ask you, I need you, again, gut check me, but it <laughs> felt like on his drives last night, it's not like he was driving and then avoiding contact at the rim, Mm-mm. right? Like, there have been years where he's averaged 10, 12 drives a game, but once he got around length and around contact, he tried to, you know, spin it or just not finish strong. Last night, I felt like it was driving with a purpose from liftoff through the completion of the shot. And I think that's a noticeable difference. And that is a benefit of the muscle that he's putting on. Yeah. And I felt like he did a lot better job. You remember IT used to just like throw himself at the shot blocker and like bounce off and get space like Tatum did that. Like it doesn't look as ridiculous because he's not five foot seven, but he (laughs) did that where he like really got into Mitchell Robinson and then just kind of laid it off the glass. You know, it sort of like paralyzed him a little bit. So I think like that's just an incredibly encouraging uh, encouraging game and a good test because Mitchell Robinson's an elite shot blocker. He's a great rim mm-hmm. protector. So the fact he's finishing over him, uh, I, I think is just, I mean, it's, I, I'll say it a thousand times, very encouraging, um, out of words. But I want to talk about Drew Holiday. But gentlemen, I'm teasing us. Before we do, a word from our sponsor. 
Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Got a bet for us, Jakey. Boston Celtics, home opener against the Miami Heat, favored by seven and a half. That's higher than I thought it was going to be when I just checked <laughs> Too just <much>. now. <laughs> uh, but why not? Five dollars, you get 200 bucks back anyway. So. Love it. Love it. Um, all right. Drew Holiday. I feel like he, he took LeBron's <laughs> advice to Kevin Love, literally. Fit in, don't fit yep. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, what, what was uh, just greeny open-ended? What were your first impressions of Drew? He fit, right? I think he, you know, I'm going to get killed for saying it, but like it was about as Marcus Smart of a performance as I think we've ever seen, right? Boo. From, from, the, from, the, from the shooting, which was, you know, not great. But That's good. Who gives a shit from that? Four of 10, one for five. He, what I really am impressed with, and I always remember this used to happen whenever he was on the Bucks, is he has this knack for even if he gets beat, I feel like he's always finding a way to poke the ball out on every drive. Like for me, it's like he knows when and how low you're going to bring the ball and always finds a way to get a hand on it. So that I thought was impactful. His defense on Randall was, you know. Awesome. He usually can't guard positions up like that, right? His strength is usually on ball against these smaller, quicker defenders. So to see him handle Randall the way he did, I think it was one of ten. Uh, you know, in their personal matchup was great. I think, you know, more so with him, we have to be a little bit more lenient in terms of him getting acclimated because Porzingis' adjustment is you're open, shoot the ball, right? With Drew, it's going to be a lot more initiating offense, being that floor general. You know, down the stretch, he didn't even really touch the ball in terms of orchestrating. And I think that's all fine. I just, you know, I was, you know, I wasn't blown away with it. It was more of a, the type of debut that I expect like these are the this is the impact that I think you're going to see from Drew. There are going to be nights where he's going to go off offensively and, and be efficient. But more often than not, all I think he has to do is defend, hit his open threes and just move the ball. If he does that, then he's going to be a perfect fit. Yeah, it is crazy that what we need from Drew now is to be another version of Derek White is to be that glue guy, connective piece, attack, you know, mismatches. That was the thing that, last night that was classic new guy where I think mm-hmm. that if he was on the box, he had at least two matchups where he had a smaller guy or a guy his size in the post where we all know that like that's one of Drew Holiday's strengths is that down in the post, he can put these guys under the basket and get like these nice little turnarounds. I think twice specifically, he had the matchup. He took one bump and then tried to pass out of it when the help came and they, he turned it over twice yeah. where just get the shot up. Like that's always going to be the I think that's like you said. Yeah. You know, I think with time, they'll be encouraged to, you know, be aggressive. It's sort of like how they had to basically bully Derek White into being an aggressive offensive player. I think that's the same sort sort of fit. It's like you don't want to mess up what's already going, but you, it'll take time for him to understand that for the Celtics to be at their best, he needs to be just as aggressive. And that doesn't mean. He has to, you know, take early shot clock threes or force things offensively. It just means that when he has a mismatch, don't feel like you can't take advantage of it. And then you get into the overpassing issues. Like, 
Derek White, I think it was in the first quarter, had that wide open layup and he passed. Yes. It's like, you got to just remember, it's okay for you to score. Like that, you're not going to be benched because you're being an effective offensive player. Yes, take take the open layup, please, Derek. Yeah, that was... Um, Speaking of Derek, Jake, got to throw to you first. You, it's your, beautiful. He's your mistress, or Has you are any- the mistress. I, it goes back and forth, but... Oh. Which of your which of your these plays was your favorite Derek White play where he absolutely obliterated, I think, Julius Randall yeah, or Mitchell rim. Robinson's oh, shot oh, yeah. or when he sprinted back on defense and poked it loose from Jalen Brunson, who had a breakaway layup? Or was it when he put Isaiah Hartenstein in the Kevin McHale torture chamber, got him with the upper oh, up and yeah. then like, and then like, and he got found, dude. Twelve six two two one. Like it was, it was literally the perfect Derek White game. Um, I guess he he did get into foul trouble early. Like he got those three fouls. He didn't commit another foul uh, for the rest of the game. That kind of threw off the rotation, but he was perfect. He was perfect. There was a reason I did the um. Pilates before uh, the Knicks game in order to pre- prepare the gluteus maximuses for uh, the mistress. He was beautiful. The the skull, the glorious bald head. That's a good looking. That's a good looking man out there. It's fresh. Yeah. To me, I think it has to be the full court sprint. I mean, that's just that's a tone setter where you could have given up on the play, yep. but when I, when somebody makes a play like that, that's the infectious like. Like you get jazzed up over a, a you know a help side block like that Randall play, yeah. But it's the the winning play, the hustle play like that, the tap from behind is that. I mean, that makes you feel things that it's like six to midnight before you <laughs> even know it. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. You? I mean, you're right, Jake. And his defense, him and Drew, yeah. down like the last three minutes when we really need to turn the screws and win the game. Their defense was incredible. Those two were absolutely flying around and just watching them like funnel people to Porzingis and just like, oh, you hit the brick wall. Sorry, gentlemen. Uh, it was a thing of beauty. Those two are going to destroy teams all year. Okay. I don't, I mean, there's, what is there say, more to say about Derek other than he was perfect as per usual? Well, the only thing left to say is they better cut the check. That's what's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Extend that, check. man. Yeah. Um, okay. Jalen Brown. Four of 11, two turnovers, five fouls, I believe uh, six boards and five assists, though. Are you worried about Jalen Brown's performance, Jake? Oh, that's a good, that's a loaded question. I wasn't, I thought you were going to ask Greeny first. And I was like, okay, <laughs> no, I can just, I can just, Greeny, I can go just, ahead. no, 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 it's all right. I, the, the, Jalen was kind of like, the only one that I have concerns about going into the season, just because I think that the way that this team is set up, that like his strengths like are not, he's not built for like this 0.5 read and react offense. Kind of like the rest of this team is like, I kind of trust Tatum, Derek, Drew, and even pausing us to make quick decisions. I do think that um, Jalen's role is going to change or should change quite a bit compared to last year. So I actually do think that, Jalen might have the hardest adjustment out of anyone. I kind of believe that Drew can adjust pretty quickly um, to a new role night to night pretty easily. And I do think that that's where we saw some of the issues with Jalen last night. Where I, Jalen did not play as bad as some Mm -hmm. people would have you believe. Like, absolutely no question. I thought he played pretty, pretty good defense for the most part. I went back and watched most of it. The problem is like this, this overhelping thing that, 
I think he has a habit of right now. He has now. a big overhaul problem. And so I've got a few of them here. This is obviously the worst one in the corner, yep. um, the four-point play. Um, and also, he. this is why he's not used to whatever the system is because he had a couple like miscommunications on switches, ones with Brustons that he missed and that one there. And he just found himself in no man's land a few mm. times. I do think that it can be cleaned up. Like you watch this on film and it's like, Jalen, you've got to stop doing this because this is just shades of um, the game four against Philly. Now, I just want to say off the back of those videos, he was not the only culprit of overhelping. Plenty of guys did this. Drew Holiday had great defense on Bronson here and Al Horford sucked way too far down and led to a wide open three. There was another one here um, where Jalen actually contained Brunson really well and was containing Brunson quite well. And then Drew sucked down too much, which led to an overhelp. And then Tatum get, gets caught in, in no man's land here um, on a wide open RJ Barrett three. So like it wasn't just Jalen. I think that he, you know, Marcus Smart's gone, as you said, Greeny. So people are looking for the guy. It's going to be Jalen this year. Um, partly because I mean, of the contract. I agree with you, right? Like, yeah. Big picture, am I nervous about his performance? No. I mean, it's no. I mean, he has a large enough sample where it's like pump the brakes. Having said that, that doesn't excuse his extremely loud mistakes, right? Like we're still seeing people like to say he doesn't have a, a left hand, and I disagree. He doesn't have a left hand problem. He has a decision-making problem, yes. which is arguably worse, right? Like that's not <laughs> that's not a good thing. I'm just saying like it's concerning when you're in a late close fourth quarter game, he's still making these bad decisions, right? Like the the turnover where he tried to find Holiday. I don't know if you have a clip of that one. I did, yeah. He tried to pass it through the entire defense. It's like, that's a good intention pass, but it's a terrible decision so and bad. terrible execution in the moment, right? His overhelping in these final late fourth quarter games like happened in Philly, like what happened last night. Those are not like... You know, it's not nothing. You can't just totally ignore it. But I do think that people overall are saying, you know, they're blowing it way out of proportion in terms of, you know, he was a disaster. I mean, he led the team in assists. And if Pritchard and Hauser made their open looks, know, he probably yeah. has seven or eight assists, right? What are we talking now if he finishes the game with eight assists and, you know, one or two turnovers? The issue is none of the early stuff matters if late he still can't be trusted to execute at a high level. That's the part where you're like, okay, you know, this has to be, you know, I don't know what the solve is. If it's film session, if it's him just, you know, not playing brain dead, but you know, that's the part where I look at it. Like if they're in a playoff series and these are the mistakes that are happening from their top two guys, they're going to have the same frustrating results, no matter who else is around them because you need him on the floor but I don't think it's like, oh, my God, panic time. Like, he's not going to be able to fit in this role, blah, blah, blah. It's more, I just need him to be making better decisions at the end of these games. It's as simple as that. He looked a little timid offensively to me, too. Like, I felt like a few times he had an open corner three that he just, like, didn't rise up and fire. Um, and I think, like, he probably, Jake, you said it, he's got a, he has the biggest adjustment with Porzingis' arrival, right? He goes from, like, the clear nobody else is even close to getting the second most shots on the team to kind of be in like the third option at times, especially since that Tatum KP makes so much sense in two man actions together that 
Jalen's just going to have a little bit less of the ball. So I think he's got to find his spots a little bit better. And I, mm-hmm. I think it goes back to like, they're just, it's just going to take reps. The passing I think is really encouraging though. Cause he passed yeah. a few guys open. Uh, he had that one little dump off pass to Derek white for an yeah. easy layup that, that like, that is a pass. I cannot remember him really ever making. Uh, yeah, so that that, one, and then there was the, the drive in traffic and then kick out to Pritchard who missed the yeah. three. Both of those plays are turnovers last year. A, because he's probably not even looking to make that pass. So it's like you have to look at his game, you know, you have to take a step back and say, yes, he's making these really terrible mistakes at the worst time. But the problem areas that everyone wanted him to work on and show improvement on, we saw last night. Like, I'm not worried about his four of 11, like, whatever. I mean, it's he we know he can shoot and score the ball. I'm honestly not even that worried about the pecking order in terms of second or third option because I do think we'll have nights like last night where it's KP's night. Friday, for all we know, could be the only person that I feel like has field goal attempts and usage set in stone is Jason Tatum. Everybody else, it's going to fluctuate. And if it's a night where KP can't miss, I want him to be the second guy. And I think it says something that Jalen didn't force his shots. He instead tried to find guys on his drives. He only took 11 shots last night. That easily could have been 14-15 if he had forced things offensively. And they missed him open in the corner at least twice, like wide open. Like Tatum, like really easy play. I'm forgetting who the other one was as well. Um, I think it was Derek because on the stream we were like, I can't believe Derek missed him on that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and and I think they should be looking for Jalen because I've be, I've been saying that if he is able to fully embrace, fully find himself in this role that I, um that they've, that they've set up for him, he could have like his most efficient season as a Celtic. Like the way that Tatum and KP can help manipulate defenses, Jalen should be catching the ball with the defense already compromised over and over and over again. That's where Jalen should be finding the ball. And like last night in particular, like he hits two of those wide open corner threes. All of a sudden he has like 16, six and five. Right. And like maybe one more assist. Like we're so close from that being like, just being a a normal good Jalen game and then winning by, by double digits. Was it a good Jalen Brown game overall? No, that, but like, I'm not worried about I'm long-term. I, I, I'm confident that they will find, and he will find himself in this offense and we'll be okay. Now, I wonder, I wouldn't claim to ever know what he's thinking, but I do wonder, <laughs> everyone always talks about, oh, this contract, he has to be, you know, this certain level. I almost wonder if him getting this Supermax almost makes him more comfortable yeah. taking that step back in a game like last night, right? Like he's already got his money. So as long as you're winning and he's on the court when yeah. it matters, like, we always, I think the, the, the first instinct is to think he's the star player. He's always been a number two. He's going to have a problem with it. Well, maybe because he already got paid, he's now at the point where, you know, I think Tatum said it after the game, the pain of losing, like they know what has to happen for them to get over the hump. Everyone is going to have to sacrifice. I think it's entirely possible that him getting this Supermax deal allows him to be comfortable in that second, third, fourth role on night, whatever the game dictates, as opposed to if he was still trying to get that supermax, that's then more of an issue. But, you know, we won't have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah thir- three, 300 million makes going from 18 shots to 14 shots a game feel a lot right. better than uh, 
Uh, so, okay, Jalen, I think I'm with you guys. Like, I'm not worried long term. He'll figure it out. Kind of a weird game. And yeah, Jake, you said it. He makes one or two more shots all of a sudden. It's like, well, that's a pretty all around dominant game from Jalen. So, and if he uh, just didn't have, turn- if he just like, you know, yeah, just those turnovers. That's third 30 <laughs> yeah. second stretch, right? Like, yeah, it is crazy. If he had finished with five assists and no turnovers and they still won, I think everyone feels a lot better. But the fact that he has, you know, the turnovers and then the inbounds one and then oh, he found a three-point shooter. It's like, it's like I said, he just has these loud mistakes that come literally at the worst possible time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, totally agree. At, speaking of the worst possible, uh, the bench. So I think mm. Al, we're all comfortable with. We know Al's going to be great. He mm. always does it. Like, there's no concern there. The triumvirate of PP, Hauser, Cornette combined for four points. All four were Pritchard. They were four very important points. He hit that mm-hmm. one pull up in the lane that was like kind of stopped a Knicks run. And he hit those two big Hell balls, yeah, free dude. throws to yep. basically win the game, which was awesome. Um, otherwise, I actually thought PP was totally fine. He just missed his open shots. Uh, and I sort of feel the same way with Hauser. Cornette concerned me. Yeah, but the the Cornette Al minutes, I was not a big fan of. But where are you guys at with the bench? You go, Grady. All right. I mean, again, first game, blah, 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 all those disclaimers. <laughs> Fine. We all understand that. My fear is it really helped. It really kept giving me flashbacks of the 21-22 season when mm. their bench needed a shot creator, some sort of jolt of consistent offense. And that's why they traded for Malcolm Brogdon. Right. You now have a bench where your shooters, if they're not shooting, like if they can't even make an open three, that's basically what their entire bench offense is going to be, especially if you're not going to play your high energy Stevens, Brissettes, guys that can buy you like a putback point, you know, you know, offensive yep. rebound, what have you. I just felt like watching Pritchard play, even though he was, you know, mostly fine, he just wasn't impactful offensively, right? We didn't see him really manipulate the pick and roll like we saw in the preseason. That's the concerning part because those were the things that forced Brad's hand in trading for an offensive-minded shot creator in Brogdon. So my fear is I don't think they're going to go 0 for 7 for 3 every night. Like, no. Shooting regression is is going to be what it's going to be. My fear is that they don't have the shot creation on their bench right now. And we, we saw in their playoff run when they got to the finals how important that need was. So even though their top six, top seven is great, it's a, you have a lot of basketball to get to before you can only play seven, eight guys in a game consistently. So I am, I'm nervous. Like I'm thinking at the trade deadline, what's the move? Is it a big to, you know, get us out of the Coinet experience or is it a consistent, like they're going to have so many needs you would think at that time it's going to be fascinating to see how they feel it because nothing we saw last night told us that they're going to be getting 20, 30 points consistently from their second unit. Yeah. Um, the cornet minutes when you're not starting double bigs, I don't understand why that is necessary. Um, that was like the biggest issue for me. Um, I am not, I'm completely confident in Pritchard and Hauser knocking down open threes. Both of them have like Hauser in particular has a seven year track record going back to college of being a 40 plus percent, like on serious volume. 
my favorite, his sophomore year being 49% on like six attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, Pritchard is the same, 38% on like seven year, eight year. He was 100% from the free throw line in his second year in the NBA, which is why mm-hmm. on the stream I was like, get Pritchard in the game for this last play. He's who I want. Um, if, if they are going to sub someone, I do think that Joe can manipulate the bench so that like whoever's out there, whether it's Tatum, Derek, Drew, I'd put Jalen fourth on this list. All four, all three of those guys, Derek, Drew, and J- Jason, can just be like the neat lead ball handler for bench units to me, um, where you're just running, you're running pick and roll, pick and pot with Porzingis or Horford, and you're yeah. you're just simplifying those units. Like Joe went to a a lineup of Hauser, Pritchard, Cornet, Jalen, and Horford. <laughs> There's no that, reason. There's that, just no need. <laughs> that can't be. That can't be. That just can't be. Um, so I think that you got you got to have one of the three ball handlers out there that you really Whoa. trust um, at all well, times. What's crazy is like even when we saw the Tatum and bench lineup to start the fourth quarter, you saw the same offensive stagnant. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, they just, you can't just say, all right, we got Tatum on the floor. We're going to be good. I just kept <laughs> making can we? I know, but like it just kept reminding me of the 2022 sure. season where it was so glaring that they needed that offensive juice coming off the bench, which almost makes me think like, do you go back to a double big starting lineup so you can have maybe White coming off the bench? I just, I don't know if that's the answer. I'm just, I'm weary that we're not going to have the same problems we saw during the finals run. I wonder, Pritchard to me looked very tentative and watching him get that mid-range pull up in the lane was was huge, obviously, because they needed it, but I thought good for his confidence. He needs to, we need to find out if his ability to get buckets in that six-man role is is even possible because obviously he doesn't have yeah. the same athleticism and size as someone like Malcolm Brogdon. He's not going to be you know, the level of scorer as Malcolm Brogdon is night in, night out in the NBA, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, he has to be assertive. Um, he has to come in and trust himself to to take these pull-up throws. And obviously he missed a couple last night. Maybe we feel a little bit different. Like he goes one for four. And if, if he just makes one more of those shots, you're like, okay. Yeah, he he probably has that, but I think he's got to let him. We we got to see. It's, it's wait and see for for me. But it was a drastic difference in his aggressiveness compared to his. And I know the yes. talent and the energy is whatever different in the regular season, but just from an approach standpoint, it just yeah. felt like it was his early years where he would they would pass him the ball, he would make like one dribble, wouldn't get by someone, and immediately pass yeah. it back. Like there wasn't that assertiveness to bend the defense and manipulate it, make them rotate. He was so good at that during the preseason. I was really surprised to see him fall back into that hesitant, you know, style. Yeah. Well, right after he hit that mid-range jumper, he ran a pick and pop with KP and he got KP a wide open mid-range look and KP just missed it. And then I think Pritchard came right out after that. So I wonder if he was kind of finding it right there and maybe Joe gives him a little shorter leash, but I don't know if you have to go double bigs. I think Joe's just got to sort out the rotation a little bit better. And Jake, yeah, you said you got to have White or Drew out there with that. Yeah, if I you're think going three bench guys. But I think yeah. in a normal rotation setting, you'll see, you know, at least one of the other primary ball handlers out there. Also, give me, I'm the Lamar Stevens guy. I know Jack Simone in the chat. He's a Lamar Stevens guy. Go read his profile, um, his article on Lamar Stevens. Yes. But whether it's, 
Sfi, how ma- I don't know how many words you wrote about uh, Sfi, Brissette, uh, uh, Lamar Stevens, and Banton in the offseason. We certainly spent a shitload of time talking about them. Uh, they <laughs> saw zero minutes yesterday. Um, yeah. I would have gone to Stevens personally, but if Stevens, Brissette, Sfi, instead of Cornette, there, there's no reason to run a whole double B lineup with Cornette out there. I don't yeah, think. and I was I was just surprised, especially during their cold streaks where they couldn't buy a bucket. Like, yeah, that's why you have these aggressive, high energy. You know, like think of the the impact Josh Hart made when he comes in the game, crashing the glass from the three point line. Like, that's why you have Brissett. That's why you have Stevens. So for them to get you know DMP CDs is was very surprising. Given I think we all expected at least Brissett. You know, the money they gave him in the offseason to at least have some sort of role, especially when nobody else on the bench is even really doing anything. Did you guys watch the the Suns-Warriors game at all? Um, Akoji. Like he took one three-pointer. Akoji. Akoji. One three-pointer he took, and he had four offensive rebounds. Like he is Lamar Stevens. Like like when I watched Lamar Stevens for the Cavs, they're the exact same type of player. They can't really shoot threes. They'll maybe take one out, one. It may or may not go in, but they're going to go get four offensive rebounds, and it's going to be really annoying for the other team. Like Cornette, we Joe, our other our New Zealand correspondent, dubbed him Cornette negative or Cornette positive, but uh, Cornette negative yesterday was definitely out and about. Yeah, yeah. and it's, just, and it's, it's not like he's like the smallest seven footer I've ever seen in my dude, it's life. Unreal. I, I was just going to say, like, you're getting battered on the glass with him out there anyway. So, like, try Lamar Stevens. Yeah, dude. Like, why not? <laughs> so, um, real quick before we we jump in um, to that meeting they had a couple days ago, uh, Missoula had a, a quote, and I think Eric Weiss in the chat's touching on this, and it, it goes back to like the ball movement and just kind of figuring things out. Uh, Bobby Manning had it. Uh, Missoula wants to see the C's play with a more natural flow on offense rather than hesitating, try to nail the game plan perfectly. But he also thinks they can implement more actions for White, Holiday, and Brown to involve them. And yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty spot on from Joe. It's great to hear. We'll see if he implements it. I mean, we saw it in the first like 30 games last year, and then it kind of went away. So uh, what do you guys want Who of those three? Who would you kind of try to get involved right off the rip against Miami? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, they're all up. I mean, I want to say maybe Svee, to be honest. Like, okay. I just, I'm interested in his, his on-ball creation. I think, mm. you know, he has that good size, especially if Miami's going to go zone. I'm interested to see him, you know, drive and kick. But if we're going between like a backup big stretch four kind of guy, Probably Stevens. I'm just terrified. Brissett really scared me with his inability to get buckets during the preseason. To, to miss every, every that's his th- that's his thing. He's he misses his playoffs. Yeah, like I, like I knew he wasn't going to be a good three point shooter. Like I came to terms with that. But he's making these beautiful moves to drive yeah. to the rim, and then he has a ten cent <laughs> finish. He does like, that terrifies me. That has like Aaron Neesmith vibes of like he's just going out of control. <laughs> And can't finish at the rim, but he's like, everything is great up until it comes time to make the shot. So I'm more confident, I think, with Stevens finishing at the rim. His three-point shooting is just as much of a question. I like how like thick and strong he yeah. is. So if we're going in terms of like a backup four, I'd probably give Stevens a run. If it's all the bench guys, I just want to see what Shafiq can bring because I'm intrigued by his skill set. 
Me too. And especially when the offense bogs down a little bit, that that's definitely a guy that can yeah, come off those screens and then get downhill. That was also one thing from Hauser that we saw in the preseason that we didn't see. I think he took at least one three-pointer because I one, you want him just firing away. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I think he took at least one. It was probably two where he he was probably a little little quick on the trigger where it wasn't really on. And he, he in the preseason, he had a couple of just like pump fakes, drive closeouts, and made really simple passes to, to players on the wing and kept Ooh. the offense moving. Again, this can all kind of be directed back to first game, MSG, big game, tight game, right. and people not really following the, the game plan. Like I saw people freaking out about Joe's, that exact comment that you saw, that you read, Spooning. It's like, what do you mean? You're just going to let them do the same shit they've always done? It's like- there's there's going to be a delicate balance between like letting these guys figure out this read and react offense because I think mm-hmm. the highest level that they can get to is going to be understanding pass screen like cut it's just go 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 versus like Joe's seen them run two ISO possessions in a row and the next time down the court he like is th- he's Nick Nurse on the on the court <laughs> screaming at whoever has the ball to run something run whatever it may be, run the, the KP pick and roll as opposed to going two more positions of ISO before um, he fixes something. That's going to be a balance um, throughout the I season. I honestly didn't think Joe was that bad no. last night. On the, You know, it's like a lot of the mistakes that we, I mean, I thought his timeout usage was great. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. was well, that, thank God we had two at the end because mm-hmm. yeah. that, that's a good point. But also, like, even on that run in the fourth quarter, it's like, oh, my God, he waited too long. It's like that run was literally 46 seconds. Dude, like, trust me. Right. <laughs> As someone who almost bet on it, it was quick. Yeah. And <laughs> even the there was the play on the um, – I think it was the – I don't know if it was Pritchard. There was the the jump ball where he was even running on the force yeah. trying to call a timeout. So, I think in that aspect, he was better. You know, obviously, the rotations are what they are due to foul trouble. But I didn't – it wasn't like, you know – why is, you know, they, it seemed like they were decisive on their end of game closing lineups, all that stuff, which I think is an improvement. So we'll see. I mean, well, you, you can only prove us right, right? You can only show us that you are actually learning and adapting or you're going to have the same issues that crept up last year. But through one game in a moment where they had to execute down the stretch and they needed Joe to, you know, not make some of the mistakes we saw during the playoff run. I think is encouraging. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, so real quick, I saw this reported today, but apparently it happened a week ago. Derek White was quoted saying there was a team meeting between the six starters, I uh, ostensibly to figure out who would come off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. And Derek said he voted for JT, yeah. uh, which would crazy. be a whole, the best six man of all time. Um, but wh- what do you guys make of this, Jake? I th- I think we're going a little over the top with how much sacrifice it is coming off the bench. Yeah. Um. For yeah. for these guys, um, having a, but look, I but I also appreciate everybody taking it seriously and making sure that everybody's like on the same page and making sure that there's not like one person who feels a different way. Like, maybe it's good to much prefer them to go over the top than to get like two months down the line and someone to be pissed off with, um, their role yeah. because because often like like. An issue can pop up just that could have been avoided if you communicate about it and you talk it out. Um, I do love Jason saying that he was willing to come off the bench once. Yeah, I, am, I, mean, I think I'm we game, can be yeah. honest. I think yeah. we can be honest. Yeah. The discussion was, okay, Derek, okay, Al, which okay. one of you is going to come off the bench? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like, they weren't Not fighting. Not Drew? 
other to be the sixth man, right? right? Yeah. It was more, you know, we respect you, Al. We probably, you know, it, it was more of a let's go about this and come to a unified sort of plan as opposed to, you know, if we can show a, a unified front that limits the potential chirping of drama or not going to accept this role, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, listen, Al Horford has started, I think he's only come off the bench like 13 games as his entire career. So like, mm -hmm. it's a big deal for him yeah. to take that bullet for the team. And I think Tatum even talked about that, you know, yeah. uh, how much that means and how much he respects him. But I do think it was a little bit pandering to be like, yeah, we all got together. We talked it out. Like, no, you, you guys basically said, all right, Derek or Al, which one is it going to be? And then <laughs> they came to the conclusion. Yeah. But I like that they care. That's good. But it's ridiculous. And I like, I like that Derek was joking about it yeah. too. Yeah. That's good. You know what I mean? Because if he just brought it up deadpan, people would be freaking out. So, but you know yeah, what? Not it wouldn't shock me if he said, if Derek's like, all right, I'll come off the bench. But my price just went up. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'll come off a bench, but for you know, you got to kick yeah. in an extra, you know, five million, or maybe if it was going to be, you know, a, a player option, maybe now it's guaranteed, or a team yeah, option, yeah. now it's a player option, whatever. That I yeah, think you saw what Fred Van Vliet just got, gentlemen. I'm just saying, yeah, exactly. Yeah, JT um, and JB, you guys got your 300 million dollar contracts. Yeah. So you guys get to start, you know, <laughs> yeah. at least start paying for my Ubers or something. <laughs> right. Um. All right. MSG, big game. Knicks are a great team. Out of the frying pan, into the heat. Miami on front. You guys like that? Huh? I just yeah, thought of that, that, that too. Yeah. You Bars. So Miami on Friday. I think Miami is probably the team I least like watching us play against. Them and oh, the Knicks actually are probably the two. Very close. Um, so Greeny, what do you most want to see against Miami? I want to see if they cannot have collective CTE whenever they play the Miami Heat. Fair. It's like they forget how to play basketball, right? How many, we've seen different iterations. We've seen different coaches. It's all the same thing. So now that you have this, you know, you made this Porzingis trade because of how Miami switches, because of how they defend you. I want to see how does it look? It doesn't have to be perfect, but I, I just don't want to see the same old, decision mistakes from the two best players driving into traffic with no plan, like all the things we know and that have gotten them in trouble in the past. I think it'll be, this is like a, it's sort of like a mental hurdle game, kind of like when they played the Warriors after the finals, right? Like mm -hmm. this is just one of 82, but it means more. And I think anyone that suggests that it doesn't is lying because this team beat you three times on your home floor to rob you from getting back to the finals. If that doesn't piss you off and make you just want to absolutely pummel them and play smart, fundamental basketball, like, what are we doing? Because they're, the talent level is, you know, it's not close, right? We all know that. But the game isn't played on paper. And the Heat, as well as anybody in the league, negate that talent disparity, especially when it comes to playing the Celtics. So for me, I just want to see them not get punked by Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Just show me you can fight back and execute. And because you know it's going to be a close game in the fourth quarter, no matter what the previous three look like, we're, all the Heat do is play clutch games. They just had a clutch time win last night against the Pistons. They won by a point. You know it's going to come the same way you knew Every game against the Knicks is going to be a battle and close at the end. 
I want to see if they have the guts to actually, you know, make a difference and play good Celtics basketball. Yeah. The, End of round. The, yeah. The Heat blew, they went up 19 with like eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter and ended up like devil magicking their way out of a Pistons loss last night. Um, typical. I will say, the Celtics played the Heat in the second game of the season last year as well. And they kind of just like wire to wire won that one because it felt like they mm-hmm. came in with a similar attitude to what you're talking about because they were like, that series should not have gone seven. If it didn't go seven, yep. we wouldn't have been like out on our legs for that Warriors series. Mm-hmm. They should come in with the same level of focus. The problem is with me, I, I don't think the, like the Heat in the regular season – even matters. I think that the Celtics He's actually. Yeah. I think I think the Celtics win this game because they actually gonna are gonna come in with that level of focus at home. I think that they they win um, wire to wire. Maybe it's not a blowout, but it's like they comfortably uh, win that win the game. Um, but I'm just gonna be like this doesn't matter um, because the devil magic doesn't start till the playoffs. That's kind of right. Like I don't think yeah. if they win this game, I think you'd be an idiot to say okay, this now means X if they were to face in the playoffs. For me, this is more just about. Having some freaking pride yes. and not losing to the Heat four straight times on your home floor. Like, give me a break. I want to see. Who's, who's, yeah. Oh, go so ahead. Who's Jake. it going to be? Who's it going to be? Like, they, there's going to be, because I, I called like the RJ Barrett thing. I mean, anyone could have called that yesterday, right? He was going to go, like, mm. and have 20 points. Oh, let's say with Highsmith. He's yeah, making right? six threes. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been on that him yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. He's making six threes, or I'll have some sort of annoying Cal Lowry bullshit. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's You can take that to the bank. But yeah. okay. I just want to see when that happens. Will we see the same type of resolve like we did against we saw last night, or are they going to shit their pants like they did in the Eastern Conference Finals? You know what I want to see: Chris Stapps, Porzingis banging like eight mid-range jumpers against the zone, like that right on the nail. Yeah, that the nail. Just put him at the free yeah, throw line, right at the out. nail. Yes, Seven yeah. foot nine, you can't block his shot. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Bam. Sorry, buddy. Um, so well, I hope the Heat oh. go zone. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Highsmith's out tomorrow too. Okay, Highsmith and and Josh Richardson are out tomorrow. All right, well, that um, just means the, so, the rookie out of UCLA is going to have like yeah, Cole Swider or something. Swider, yeah. dude. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. God damn it. All right, gentlemen. So, Greeny, Jake's on for a win. I think we win this one. Greeny, we go and dub tomorrow night. Oh, I just think home opener, the crowd should be juiced Friday night at the Garden. I mean, given who the opponent is. I just think as long as they don't just show up and assume they're going to win just because it's Friday night at the Garden and everyone's hammered, I think they should be able to win, especially because I expect Jalen to bounce back. I expect Drew to feel, you know, more comfortable. There may be some regression from Porzingis and whatnot just because he was so outrageous. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if the Celtics play to their potential, they should have no problem. The issue is no team makes them underperform like the Miami Heat did. Hell yeah! Um, I know Ozzy Fields asking in the in the chat here about a potential playback watch party. Um, I m- I might be going live. I'm not sure if the other guys can can make it, but I, I might I might fire up the playback room um, for the Heat game because um, I'll be watching it anyway. So Ozzy Field, at least you and me will be in there. And Green, you obviously you're also welcome too. But, um, I'm a mess. You don't want to be around me during uh, during those <laughs> Yo, We are too. Like, yeah. I will be I will be at the in laws. Okay. So nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, way better than watching the Lucky, game on yeah. playback. Uh, all right, gentlemen, do we have anything else? If not, I'm going to wrap no. this thing up. Greeny, where can folks find you? 
Uh, on X, Twitter, whatever we're calling it, at StoolGreedy, uh, BarstoolSports.com, every day, you know, basketball, NBA, Celtics, of course, and, you know, appreciate everyone that reads, clicks, interacts, even if, even if I get triggered and, and argue with you over Twitter, I always appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Jake, thank you as always, man. Love your work. We are out.